Can you believe it, 2020? It's hard to believe. I look at today and I think today is a day, it's a great day to set the destination for our church family for a new year. You, you know the map app that you have on your phone and you pull it up and you're going to go somewhere, you enter in the destination and it says finding route and it looks like it's calculating where you're supposed to go and once it identifies your route, a little green button comes up that says go and you hit that button and then it begins to take you to the destination of your choice. Today's kind of like that, we're setting the destination for 2020, we're finding our route and I hope that everybody sees that green go button and you're ready to push it and follow the Lord. One of the cool things about today is that our starting point for our destination in 2020 is not the same starting point as we had in January of 2019. A lot has happened through the last year and even before that to bring us to this very new starting point to identify a destination that we can share together as a church family. If you think back to 2016. 2016 was really defined by a wave of generosity, a wave of unity, bringing us together so that the Lord could refine in our hearts, clarify in our hearts the vision He has for us in a church family. It was the beginning of 2017 that we began to communicate this vision of where the Lord is taking us as a church family by using the phrase, love God, love people, and help others do the same. Do you know in 2017 that help others do the same was strongly characterized by planting our church campus in Liberty Hill. It was an amazing year to see that come to fruition and see God work in our midst. And then in 2018, we launched that year with a vision series called New Life in Christ. And that is a culture-changing, culture-defining series where we said as a church family, we want to be the kind of church family that lives together in Christ, working towards confession and repentance, living sincerely and transparently before the Lord so that people who are broken, that's all of us, can find healing. People who are lost can find life in Jesus Christ. That led to 2019 when we began to discover as a church family that God's placed us right here where we are, when we are, so that we might find God and follow Him. To be a ready bride for the return of Christ by being a people who are loving God, loving people, and helping others do the same. And that leads us to 2020. And I want to share with you over the next several weeks vision 2020. In order to introduce you to the concept of our vision for this year, I want to share a story with you out of Acts chapter 9. It's a story about a man named Saul who is on his way to Damascus in order to continue his murderous persecution of Christians. Saul was on that road to Damascus and Jesus appeared to Saul And told Saul what he was doing was not a good idea. That he in fact was the Messiah. And all of a sudden Saul's life was turned upside down. Everything that he had believed, everything he had known, he had to start reevaluating. The people who were with him had to help Paul get to Damascus because Saul could not see. His lies were blinded and so he had help to get to Damascus. When he got to Damascus, Saul stayed in a house for three days 
not eating or drinking, just praying because of his life being turned upside down. He was trying to sort through what all this meant. Meanwhile, God appeared to a disciple named Ananias. Ananias was apparently seeking the Lord one day as was his apparent custom. And the Lord in a vision appeared to Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go to a house. And in this house, you're going to ask for a man named Saul from Tarsus. And I want you to go to him and tell him that I am who I said I am. And I want you to help him regain his sight. And I want you to tell him that I have plans for him to tell others about me. Well, Ananias says to the Lord, Lord, I've heard about this guy, Saul. And he's killing people like me who claim to follow you. And the Lord said to Ananias, I want you to go. Because this is a man I've chosen to tell a great deal of the world about me. And I want you to tell him how much he's going to suffer for my name. Now can you imagine being Ananias in that moment? Ananias went to the house. I've, I've thought this week as I've thought about this story, what it was like to be Ananias to come to that house and come to the front door and be ready to knock on that door thinking to yourself, what is going to happen when I knock on this door and ask for Saul? Ananias knocked on that door and he came in and he sat down with Saul and he said, dear brother Saul, I want you to know the Lord has sent me to you. He prayed for Saul. These scales fell off his eyes. He could see again. He was immediately baptized. And nothing has ever been the same since. I think that's an incredible story. And the thing that mesmerizes me about that story is who in the world is Ananias? We, we don't hear anything about Ananias before this moment. We don't read anything else in Scripture about him. The only thing in the Bible about Ananias is him going to this guy named Saul and helping him figure out who Christ is, baptizing him so he can then go, change his name to Paul, and literally have a hand in changing the world. Not only changing the world, but changing each one of us. And I think what... What in the world happened to Ananias? How did he become a disciple? How did he get to this moment? What happened after this? And yet there's nothing there. The only thing in the story about Ananias is that he went to Paul just like God said he should. And yet there is reason to assume that someone led Ananias to Jesus Christ. Here's this disciple who's in Damascus, who's following the Lord, who the Lord called to go to this guy named Saul because Saul was in Damascus and Ananias could help this guy named Saul get closer to Jesus. The only way that Ananias could lead Saul closer to Jesus is because somebody led Ananias closer to Jesus. Here's what I know. There's only one Paul. And there's not likely a whole lot of us who are going to be like Paul. 
There, there may not be a lot of us who are like Ananias in leading someone who becomes like Paul. But I think everyone can lead someone close to you, closer to Jesus. That's what this vision series is all about. Us becoming a ready bride for the return of Christ. By loving God, loving people, and helping others do the same. Specifically in 2020, leading someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus. Here's what I want you to think about 2020. I want you to think about it in thirds. Roughly, we're going to divide 2020 up into three parts. The first part is from today until Easter. Do you know there's 99 days from today until Easter? So here's what we want to do. We want just to ask the Lord, Lord, how can you use me in the next 99 days to lead someone who's close to me, closer to you, so that they can be a part of our celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a church family on Easter Day? Wouldn't that be cool? And when we get past Easter, we're going to say, okay, Lord, for the next roughly third of the year, between the end of Easter and the beginning of school, Lord, what can you do in my life and through my life to help me lead someone who is close to me, closer to Jesus, so that they can start the school year with our church family celebrating Jesus Christ and setting their focus on living for him. And then the last third of the year after school starts all the way to the end of the year around Christmas Advent. Lord, what can you do in and through me to help me lead someone who is close to me, closer to Jesus so that they can join with our church family celebrating the birth of Christ around Advent and living their lives for you. Lord, will you use me to lead someone who's close to me, closer if, if we're going to be that kind of church family, do you know what that means? If you're going to lead someone who's close to you, closer to Jesus, then we all need to make sure we're leading ourselves closer to Jesus. I want to read a passage of scripture to you that's going to kind of serve as our theme passage for this series. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, starting in verse 19. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law like one under the law though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law, to those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may be by every possible means save some. Now, I do all of this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, 
but only one receives the prize, run in such a way to win the prize. And everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. So after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul uses an analogy here of an athlete. If someone's an athlete, they live like an athlete. If someone competes like an athlete, they compete to win. And he's basically saying here, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then you ought to live like a follower of Christ. You can see in this description, Paul says he's living his life so that he might win people to Jesus Christ. He's trying to do everything he can to lead someone closer to Jesus. That's his ambition. And he says, what I want to make sure that I'm doing in my own life is that I am getting closer to Jesus as I lead others closer to Jesus. It would be a terrible tragedy if he was leading people closer to Jesus while not getting closer to Jesus himself. It doesn't work that way. If you're going to get closer to Jesus, then you're going to lead other people closer to Jesus. If you want to lead other people closer to Jesus, then you have to be closer to Jesus. We want to make sure that we set our destination in 2020 to leading someone who's close to us closer to Jesus by leading ourselves closer to Jesus. And so I want to give you a few keys towards leading yourself closer to Jesus this year. If, if you've used one of those map apps, then you know what it's like to enter your destination and watch it spinning and finding the route. Seeing the route there on your screen and the green button that says go. And making the decision to hit the button and trust the app. You, you know what that's like. That moment of decision of am I going to trust this app to take me where I want to go. I'll never forget years ago when this was kind of a new thing. And me sitting down with my dad and telling him, yes, this little thing's going to tell you where to go. How does it know where to go? I don't know, Dad. It just does. Trust it. He had to make a decision what to believe and what not to believe in order to trust the map app to get him where he wanted to go. I had some really funny stories about him deciding whether or not he would trust it along the way. I want to tell you some things that we must not believe if we're going to get closer to Jesus and some things that we must believe if we're going to get closer to Jesus. You know, there are three basic lies in our culture today that are vying for our hearts. Paul says, I became all things to all people, to the Jew. I became like a Jew, the one with the law and without the law. There were things that people were believing that Paul realized they cannot keep believing those things if they're going to get closer to Jesus. They have to believe these things. In our culture today, there are three lies that are pervasive. Lie number one, I am what I have. You cannot believe that lie. We live in a culture and a society that is looking at the stuff that 
we have and defining who we are by what we have, looking at the stuff that somebody else has and defining who we are based on what we have compared to what they have. We're a stuff-laden society, and Jesus Christ makes it very clear in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, that you cannot spend your life with greed in mind because life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. You cannot believe the lie, I am what I have. You also can't believe the lie, I am what I do. I am what I do. You know when you come up and you meet somebody brand new, then in the first 30 seconds, the typical question that's asked, what do you do? There's nothing wrong with finding out what somebody does. There's nothing wrong with you telling what, what you do. There's nothing wrong with in question inherently. But I just want to warn you against the fact that oftentimes what's coming out of the question, what do you do, is the belief that we are what we do. You know what the scripture says we do? Sin. You know what that makes us? Sinners. But you know what God's word says in Romans chapter 5, 8? It says God demonstrated his love towards us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We are not left to be what we do. We are not what we do. The third lie that we cannot believe is I am what others say or think I am. You ever have everybody say something about you? You get a hard time shaking? You ever hear what somebody thought about you that just stuck with you far longer than it should have? We are not what people say or think about us. Do you know that we're in this society that's defined so much by likes and followers? that we really put so much stock on what people are saying or thinking about us. You know why I think we tend towards that? I think we tend towards that because we have an accuser who is whispering in our ear all the things we have done wrong, how we should be ashamed and full of regret and guilt, how we've not measured up and we've failed along the way. In fact, Revelation chapter 12 says that the accuser is standing before believers, accusing them of what they have done wrong. But that passage says that we overcome the accuser by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We are not what people say or think about us. We cannot buy into these lies. What we must do is believe our identity that we have in Jesus Christ. If we have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we are what God has given us in Christ. We are what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We are what Jesus Christ said about us and thinks about us by the love of God. We must believe our identity in Jesus Christ. We cannot believe the lies. We must believe the truth of the gospel and that our identity has been made brand new. 
I want to read to you a passage in 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You are in Christ. what God has given you. You are in Christ what Jesus has done for you. You are in Christ what Jesus has said about you. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should embrace your identity in Christ. You have new life, new birth, you have hope, you have a future, you have a forever, you have a salvation that's ready for you, protected by Jesus Christ. You belong to him. You know why it's so important to believe those things and to deny those lies? Because it's impossible to get closer to Jesus if you feel like you're not worthy to get close to him. It's impossible to get close to Jesus if you feel like you are constantly failing and you're not accepted by him. You have to accept your identity in Jesus Christ to keep getting closer to him. Because here's the bottom line. You must believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest gifts afforded you is your opportunity to start over again and again and again. You know why I love New Year's? Because it does create this sense of starting over. You know what I love about life in Christ? Every single morning when I wake up, I find the mercies of God brand new. And I can start over. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday because I'm not defined by what I do. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday because I'm not defined by what other people say about me. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday because I'm not defined by what I have. I am waking up in the new mercies of God every morning and His grace washes over me and I can start over. If I didn't read my Bible yesterday, God does not hold it against me today. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, start over. Keep seeking after me. If we're going to get closer to Jesus, we must believe. Believe in our identity in Christ and that identity affords us a perpetual restart. I just love that we have new life every day in Christ. We need to believe that. Stop believing any other lie and believe what is true. You know what else we need to do? We need to lead ourselves to get help along the way. There's not a single person in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, who did not get help along the way by somebody. In fact, it's probably not a stretch to say that if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you got more help along the way than you can even name. Do you know we never outgrow our need for help? And if we're going to lead ourselves closer to Jesus, we better lead ourselves to keep getting help. One of the greatest blessings that God has given us to get help 
and growing closer to Jesus Christ is the church. We, we all are designed to find God, but nobody finds God without help. And the church has been uniquely designed to help us find God and follow Him. And I want to encourage you to take steps towards being involved in the community of faith at a deeper, more significant level than you were in 2019. Lead yourself to get help by plugging into the local church, this great blessing to help you get closer to Jesus Christ. Within the church, you're going to find the opportunity for small groups. Being involved in a small group. I, I want you to know that the reason we're going to emphasize throughout all of 2020 the importance of every person in our church being in a small group is because it's in a small group, a small community of faith where you experience accountability, encouragement, and support. Where you can practice confession and repentance with the encouragement and support that leads to long-term sustainable changes that reflects the glory of God. It's where you find that 2 a.m. friend that person who's going to be there when you're struggling. Or that person that's going to need you to be there when they're struggling. We want everybody to be engaged in a small group. Because we think out of that small group of community of faith, our faith flourishes. We get closer to Jesus. Here's what we mean when we say small group. The rest of the year when you hear us say small group, here's what we mean by it. It's an ongoing commitment that has no end. Something you're committed to. I'm going to be in a small group where I can do life with, with a small group, a community of faith. And we can encourage each other to follow Christ together. It's, it's a setting where you're in circles, not in rows. There's something about sitting in a circle with a small group of believers saying to each other, I want to grow closer to Christ and I need we want everybody here to be involved in a small group, a community of believers who can encourage you to walk with Jesus Christ. And out of your experience in the church, you're going to also find that this is a place where there are people here who are a little bit older in the faith than you. And it really helps to have somebody that you can come to and say, you've already been down this road and I know there are obstacles that I can't see that you can see. Can you help me see further than I can see without you? We need to lead ourselves to get help because we never outgrow our need for help. And we won't help anybody get closer to Jesus if we're not getting closer to Jesus. You know, there are some essential rhythms of a spiritual life that we need to lead ourselves to practice this year. I'm just going to give you three simple ones. The first one is to read your Bible. should go without saying, and yet the reality is no one here outgrows the need for encouragement to read our Bibles. You know why? Because we have an enemy who does not want us to be reading our Bibles. We have a society and a culture we get involved in that's so full of opportunities and options and busyness that we get distracted and we stop reading our Bibles. And I just want to encourage you to read your Bible this year and to read it regularly. The scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are a kingdom of priests. 
a royal nation, a people for God's own possession. Malachi chapter 2 picks up on that theme in the Old Testament and it talks about how the priests are supposed to preserve knowledge. The lips of the priests are supposed to preserve knowledge and that people are supposed to seek out truth from the priest. And there's an indictment from the prophet Malachi on the priests of his day saying, you actually are not seeking out the knowledge of God and by your instruction people are being led astray. I just want to remind you, we are a kingdom of priests meant to be messengers of the Lord Most High. How will we carry a message from the Lord if we are not hearing from the Lord? How will our lips drip with the knowledge of God if our minds and hearts are not regularly filled with the knowledge of God by His Word? We must be a people who fit into our lives the essential rhythm of reading God's Word. So we want to help you. On our website, fbg.church slash media you'll see a link there for Bible reading plans we have an assortment of eight Bible reading plans for our FBG family there's a couple of apps also that you can check out that can help you get in a group and read the scripture together we want everyone in our church family putting into their life the essential rhythm of spiritual attentiveness to the Lord by reading God's word. Get in a group, get in a small group, get in a reading plan together. Have a plan to read the scripture and make sure the scriptures are a part of your regular daily life. The second essential rhythm I want to encourage you with is prayer. Now, we heard a great message on prayer last Sunday. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to pick that up on our website in the media section. But I want to encourage you that this year you would make every effort to pray. We cannot grow closer to Jesus if we are not spending time in his word and we are not spending time in prayer. So start a prayer group. Set, a time, set aside time every day to pray. Start writing down some of your prayers as you pray them and asking the Lord to answer those. Write down those answers. Spend time coming to some of our events where we spend time praying together as a church family. Sign up to be a part of the prayer chapel and be part of praying here on our campus. Make sure that you put prayer into your life this year. The last essential rhythm I want to mention today, there's several others I could mention, but the last one I want to mention to you today is the rhythm of journaling. Here's what I, I know journaling's not for everybody and not everybody's going to do it every day. You might do it one day and skip it four or five days and then journal again. I just, I just want you to try for the next 99 days to journal some along the way. And so you, you get a journal and you're just going to write down the passage you're going to read for the day. And then you're going to write down after you read that passage something that you saw about God in that passage. And you're going to write down, if this is what I saw about the Lord, this is how I want to respond today in the way I live because of what God showed me about himself. You're going to write down the passage you're going to read, 
what you saw about the Lord and how you're going to respond on that day or that week based on what you saw in the Lord. And then in that journal, you can write down some prayer requests. And I just encourage you to journal up until from now until Easter. And maybe the, one of the first entries in your journal would be the name of someone you're asking the Lord to allow you to lead closer to Jesus. What would it be like if everybody here, 100% engagement, went home this week and 100% of our church family wrote down the name of one person and began to pray, Lord, help me lead this someone who's close to me, closer to you in the next 99 days so they can celebrate your resurrection like never before. That's, that's what we want. We want everybody here in our church family growing closer to Jesus Christ so that we can help somebody else grow closer to Jesus Christ. How are we going to measure that? There's, there's several ways we're going to measure that through the year, and we're going to share more of those as we go through the year, but let me just give you a couple of ways we're going to measure that. One, we want a 100% engagement around leading someone close to us, closer to Jesus. No matter how young or how old you are, we want everybody in our church family to identify one person in the next 99 days that we believe that the Lord can help us lead closer to Jesus. And we're going to pray for those people. You know, the last 10 years, we've averaged just over 50 baptisms per year. This is just one measure. But would you join me in praying and asking the Lord that we would see over 100 people come to trust Christ and be baptized in 2020? Is that too big of a thing to ask the Lord? If we all would lead someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus, I suspect we'll see the answer to that prayer. I have a confession to make. I'm codependent on the map app. I love to use that thing. I literally can't go anywhere without it. Um, if I don't have that, I don't know how to get places. And when I know how to get places, do you know I still use the map app? You like that? I use it whether I know how to get there. And what I do is I like to put it in there because I like to see how far I've gone, how far I have to get there. I like to see my ETA, estimated time of arrival. I, I like to see that. I like to know that the map app is going to tell me when to turn so I don't miss a turn. I mean, I just, I'm codependent on the map app. So if I arrive at your house or I arrive where you are, you can rest assured that I got there not because of me, not because I was driving, because I relied on the map app. going to be closer to Jesus, we better lead ourselves closer to Jesus. And after we've done everything, after we've leveraged all that we are, after we've given all of our effort to get closer to Jesus, you know what we're going to say? We're going to say just what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I worked harder than any of them, yet it was not I, it was the grace of God in me. We want to lead ourselves closer to Jesus, but when we get closer to Jesus, we look back on all that we've done. We're going to say it was not us. It was the grace of Jesus Christ. What we want is for the riches of God's grace to so radically change us that those who watch us live for Christ see the hope of a different destination.
2020. Lead someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus.